Brand leaders love to tell me how much they love that sound signaling another sale on their online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash glossy, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash glossy to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash glossy. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Michael Costello, the fashion designer who came onto the scene by way of Project Runway in 2010. Now his namesake brand, best known for glamorous, sexy dresses in inclusive sizes, is sold at Saks. Plus, he's behind one of Revolve's best-selling collections. I wanted to ask Michael how dressing celebs, including Lady Gaga and Beyonce, has impacted his business and whether the current wedding and party boom is in fact his Super Bowl. <laughs> Welcome, Michael. Wow, Jill. Thank you. What an incredible introduction. I forgot about a lot of those things. That, that, that <laughs> You're you said, way famous, Michael. <laughs> is Thank it, you. Is it your Super Bowl? Is it go time? Are you seeing this amazing demand? I would think. Yeah, we literally just before this podcast started, we got done with a bride that we've been working on for the last four months. And um, we only do about nine brides per year. It's all we can handle. But there has definitely been a boom and a Super Bowl boom of everyone wanting to get married in April, May, June, and July. That's when everything is booked and every bride wants to get married during that time. So it's like, it's a lot. It's a lot. It is. Get ready. That's wild. How large is your team when you say you can take nine? How many people are working? And is, is everybody working out of this LA showroom that you're at right now? So we have about 16 people in total. But as far as the seamstresses, uh, pattern makers, um, sewing staff, there's a small core group of seven of us that work really diligently together to work on all the pieces. We all work on every single piece that comes out of the showroom together. Nothing is ever sent to another, you know, state or anything. It's everything's done here in Los Angeles in the atelier with all the ladies. Everybody works on each piece together. So seven of us that are core. Amazing. Well, last time we spoke, we were just talking. We were at the Revolve Gallery during Fashion Week in September. And at the time, you were telling me, which when you say atelier, it sounds so high-end, and it is so high-end. You were telling me how you have the best of both worlds between your core namesake collection and what you're doing with Revolve. Yeah, tell me a little bit about, about that divide. Jill, you're so right. When I think about it, I really do have the best of both worlds. Um, because I get to come to a place where I want to create, you know, this fantasy, high-end glamour, really live out the things that come into my mind and and that I dream about, which is the couture and over-the-top um, gorgeous glamorous gowns. But I also get to take that and make it more runway-ready and I don't know how would you say user-friendly when uh, ready to wear when we do the stuff for Revolve we've put out for the season and then transition it into something that everyone can wear. And when I say everyone, I, I really mean everyone. If you're going to, I don't know, the prom or your guest of the wedding or, uh, you know, a cocktail party or, 
you know, just like some vacation, fabulous, fun thing, you really can wear the pieces that we put out for Revolve because they're fun. Yes, they are um, very size inclusive. But the thing is, these are pieces that we make that you can wear any season. And we try to design smart so that it never goes out of style and you could always wear it again. That's why we try to make it revolve in your wardrobe. That makes great sense. Tell me about how you work with Revolve. Is this, you call it a collaboration? Is it your brainiac, your your creativity meets their, I don't know, manufacturing? How does it work? Yeah, so the way it works is really cool. You know, like um, I'm in the Revolve offices about six times a month, which is a lot. For one of their own um, collaborative brands, some of the other designers can are, are only able to Skype in or come in once a month. I know Nicole Ritchie for House of Harlow will come in for meetings. And Remy Joe, who has her plus size line with Revolve, will come in for some meetings. But I can definitely tell you I'm the one who's really putting in the work there with six times uh, a month to really work on the collaboration, really work on the collection. I go in for... Um, a sketch review, which means I'll make 35 to 40 sketches for that month. And we'll go through the designs together, figure out which ones we're going to move into production. Then we'll do a fabric review and figure out which fabrics we're going to use for the season. We're normally designing about three to six months out of the out of the time that we're in, like for August, we'd be designing, let's say August, December, October, November, December, we'll be designing for holiday in August. So it's fun when I go there. Um, I have a great team that consists of, you know, pattern makers, sketch artists, uh, core designers, sourcing specialists, swim specialists, um, schedule specialists. And uh, so far, we've been there for about six years. And I love everything that we put out. We do try to come up with, you know, about 120 to 180 styles per month. So it is almost like fast fashion, but then we really step back and we look at it and we figure out who this customer is, where is she going? Where is she going to want to shop? What is she going to want to wear for the season? Cause she's not just an influencer. This is a real woman who actually has places to go, places to be, uh, parties to attend, uh, or, you know, she has kids and she's a mom and she needs a really cool pair of pants or a blazer or a jumpsuit for a meeting. I really feel like we we've, we've come to a point where we are designing for every single woman when we take the ready-to-wear collection into play. But um, it is fun, and, and I love doing it. So we make the sketches, we, we fit them. Uh, we make the product, then we size it, then we send it back to the factory before it ever gets put on the website to make sure that everything's perfect. And it goes from the website to somebody ordering it to a red carpet event or a cocktail party. It's so cool. I was creeping on your line on their site. I saw that there were over 600 pieces right now, which is amazing. Oh my God, is there really? Wow. There I didn't are. even know the number was that high. It goes but on yeah. and on. It's yeah, so, we, so we've been with the company now for about six years, and it's really amazing. They they usually show us our analytic reports every month, and I'm blown away that we're we are the number one top selling brand at Revolve. And uh, whenever they tell me that, I, I just find it so hard to believe. But then I see all these posts from the women on Instagram tagging me saying, oh my God, I wore your dress for my uh, birthday party. I wore your dress for my cousin's wedding or I wore your dress to, um, you know, 
on a photo shoot or on a yacht or at a barbecue. And it's always so fun because I love to see, you know, as a designer, yes, you want people to wear your clothes. You want people to buy your clothes. But one thing that you want to see is the real person really wearing it, styling it, making it their own, posting a picture at a really fun event, um, you know, having a glass of lemonade or sitting by the pool or at a wedding or at a fun event wearing the actual garment. It makes you feel like you kind of like accomplished more than just designing a beautiful dress. You're, you've been the highlight of someone's journey or someone's moment at that time for that special event in their life. So that's a, it's a really cool feeling. That's so cool. Cause yeah, they are definitely like special occasion. It's a special moment. You want to do it up. You're going to get the Instagram shot. That's yeah. for sure. Have you changed what you, that's a lot of looks you have to come up with. I, would you say like, I mean, that's really, I'm sure like a headache sometimes, but are you looking elsewhere to new places, new sources of inspiration? Maybe now you're more so on social media. Do you play into trends? I was going to ask regarding trends if you, I was thinking, oh, I wonder if he's doing naked dresses. I mean, you love a naked look, that's for sure. <laughs> no I question. I love a naked look. I love a naked fabric look. I love, you know, just complimenting the body with as much naked fabric as I can. <laughs> a brief I as a bottom. Sexy dresses. I love goddess dresses as well. But, you know, inspiration for me comes from so many different places. I can make a whole entire collection and sit down and design it. And then when I see it come to life or when I see it on the body or the runway or the model, I'm instantly re-inspired to make another piece. Um, whenever we do the fittings, and we try on the pieces, I'm looking at them and I'm and, and new inspiration comes to me all the time. I'm thinking, okay, what if we open the back here? What if we add a slit here? What if we remove the sleeve? What if we put this belt? So I'm constantly finding inspiration on a day-to-day -day basis. But I mean, don't get me wrong. When we're designing for Revolve, we have to put out so much fashion um, because the line is very popular. Women want to buy and they want to buy new pieces that sometimes we do, you know, we've run out of ideas. So we'll go back to what our best sellers were. And we look at them, examine them and try and figure out what can we change that's still going to keep our customer excited, but that's still going to stay true to our brand. And we're not just putting something out there by taking off the sleeve and calling it a new design. So we constantly face that struggle. But so far, I haven't hit the wall yet to where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm no longer inspired. I no longer can come up with anything because my inspiration can come from anything. It can come from, you know, a bag of Doritos to Taco <laughs> Bell or like going on a vacation to Spain or, you know, just even music or a new song. I like that I do have a very, very vivid imagination when it comes to designing and I think it's because I've been doing it so long that I know how things are going to turn out or how they're going to drape or how they're going to be constructed because I have this vivid imagination of how I can see it coming to life. So I know what's going to work well together. And I think the I continue day to day throughout my designs to just inspire myself. And I'm inspired by my own work a lot. Yes. To what extent would you say that you kind of play into almost the idea of a traditional uh path or traditional processes. For instance, when it comes to a designer, go to Parsons, maybe you're picked up by 
Well, you are at Saks, which we have to talk about a big retailer. You mentioned it reminded me of this because you said like a trip to Spain. But I'm like, do you go on inspiration trips? Do you do seasonal collections? Are you doing fashion week? Like the old rules? Are you breaking the rules? A little bit of both. I feel like we've never as a company, we've never followed any kind of specific trends or did any kind of trend forecasting. Fortunately, early on in my business, I developed this formula of something that just came to me that worked really well for our brand. And I taught it to our core team and we developed a system and a formula and a sewing technique that strictly worked for us. I don't have any formal training as far as Parsons or FIT or FIDM. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've always wanted to go to fashion school, but early on in my age, when I went to these schools to try and get in, my dad saw how much it was going to cost and he was freaking out about that. But then the guidance counselors and the people there were kept, kept on saying, your son is so incredibly talented. Everything comes to him so natural. It'd be so wrong for us to tell you, come here, do this, take this course, take this class. When this boy has a talent and this boy has a gift and he should be teaching natural draping techniques and he should be teaching um, tips and tricks in the trade of how you can, you know, beat this technique in order to get from here to here. And I was disappointed. I said, no, no, no. I want to go. I want to go. Oh my God. Now that you told that to my dad, he's never going to put me in, you know, but, but I think like, because we developed this technique of me just draping everything and then making the pattern, we never followed the rules. And yes, it's fun to say that it has worked for us. And it's also worked for my core team. But I think right now we're at a place in fashion to where almost everything goes and people don't look to the trends anymore or what's popular. In the early and late 90s, you would know like, oh, lilac was the color. Everyone's wearing lilac or everyone's wearing monochromatic looks. Everything has to match. And people would go by that. If the cardigan sweater was worn by Halle Berry in 1998, then everyone put out a cardigan sweater in 1998. <laughs> But we're at a place in fashion right now to where almost anything right now can be worn. And we're at that full circle moment to where, you know, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s are all coming back in fashion. And it really is you just being able to take little bits and pieces of that and incorporating it to what you have already and knowing how to do that well in order to, you know, look cool, but not necessarily follow the trend. Yes. Would you say that Project Runway, like it gave, it was like, I did this and now I really have to like take it and make something of, of it. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Did that just like, did that give you the ultimate opportunity? You were on everyone's radar. Yeah, Go yeah. Ahead. of course it did. Because, I, you know, I hit a wall in my career. And at one point, you know, the, the guy that I was seeing, and I was in a relationship with him for 10 years, he outed me to my parents. And I didn't know what to do at that point in my life. I was 26 years old, really had no idea what to do. And um, I left. I left my family. I left my children. I left my mom. And I left my dad. I left my house because I was terrified. I was so scared of, you know, my dad kicking the shit out of me and like, you know, basically putting me on an exile from the family. 
So I got a job at CVS Pharmacy and I started working at CVS Pharmacy as a cashier. And then slowly by surely, I don't know how, but they moved me into the pharmacy department. I became a pharmaceutical technician, unlicensed. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and from there, I got a job at a coffee shop and then a golf course just to make ends meet. And I think early on in my career, I, I really had to do those type of things in order to get where I am. And then I, I got tired of it. And I said, you know, I, I, I need to try out for Project Runway. This is not what I want. I want to be a fashion designer, but I've already been able to dress Paris Hilton, Misha Barton, Selma Hayek, uh, Mariah Carey before Project Runway and before the Instagram popularity, I, I, I was able to dress these ladies. So I put together a really extensive portfolio and I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I bought fabric from Walmart for literally a dollar a yard and I created my samples in three days before the audition. And a friend of mine, Sarah Foley, helped me make an audition tape. I sent it in and they were blown away and they told me to come down for the live casting. I went, uh, I prayed, I got a flat tire. I took one of my best friends with me. Her name was Suana Perry. She's a model. She modeled the dresses and Tim Gunworth was there, Zoe Glasner, um, Nick Varios. And they asked me so many things. And I said, look, guys, to be honest with you, my mom is currently auditioning women for me to marry right now. So this is my make it or break it moment. My, this is my audition to get on the show. Or if not, I have to go marry some woman and pretend to be straight for the rest of my life. So please help me out. These are the options. These are my options. And Tim Gunn said, well, Michael, you've already dressed like some really great people. Why Project Runway? And I said, well, why not? I need something that's going to catapult me into everyone's living room every night on Thursday at 8 p.m. to for people to see my talent and see what the show can do for me because I need to use your show to get that platform so I can get more doors open to me because dressing these celebrities for free ain't paying the bills and it really ain't working for me. So I need something else. And it really did. I feel like it yeah. opened up a lot of doors. I was really happy with the outcome of the show. Of course, I didn't win, but... I became one of, if not the biggest breakout star next to Christian Siriano from the whole entire franchise. Yes. And that's huge. That's I beat huge. out 22,000 contestants that competed in Los Angeles that made it on the show. I kind mean, of amazing. it's just a little something. <laughs> that's great. Looking yeah. back, like it's a different day and age. Like, would you recommend for a designer who, again, didn't get to go to Parsons, didn't get to go to FIT, today, would you be like all over TikTok and be like pushing your stuff out there and saying, look at me, how would you be going about it? Or what would you recommend? Well, right now we're in a place to where you're not relevant unless you're on TikTok and you go viral. And that's kind of sad because there's so many talented people out there in their fields of what they do. And, you know, nowadays we're forced to teach them all these other things that they're not so good at, like editing and lighting and uh, adjusting video clips or blending the clip or mashing the clip to match the song. I'm not good at it. I'm really not good. I'm good at Photoshop <laughs> and I'm good at like uh, I'm good at editing photos here and there. Uh, but I'm not very good on TikTok and I've been trying and I cannot go viral. I post videos of the biggest celebrities in the world and their fittings and I get like eight comments and seven of them are from the guy who's usually paying everybody's bills or asking him to or asking to leave a comment in order to get a follow back with these <laughs> robots. Yes, but I know them. It is important right now. Um, you know, sadly, TikTok is getting banned. and I think Montana was the first place to ban TikTok. 
Um, I guess it's getting banned in places because of too many people voicing their opinions on political views or like facts and fiction or nonfiction stuff. But I thought it's a great platform for people to express themselves in the DIY category. I love it. I look at it all the time and I'm so blown away at what I see, like how the people are constantly creating and creating and creating. And yes, I'm impressed with their editing skills, but I stay and watch the whole entire video because I love a creative motherfucker. Like it blows me away to see how this person can take an apple pie and add some whipped cream, some lace, some rhinestones and sequins and make an edible apple pie evening gown for the Met Gala. That shit just blows me away. And they did it all on $10. So... Amazing. Can that be the title of this podcast? I love a creator and exactly. MF, creative MFR. Yes, I um, do. I love a creative motherfucker. <laughs> I love it. Do you have you been on or have you tried um YouTube shorts? I'm hearing that's where the creative crafty people are thriving. YouTube shorts. My problem is I have I hate to sound so cliche about the people that are getting bashed because there's so many content creators that are getting paid mega bucks for this. So no disrespect to them, but I really, really don't have the time to sit there all day yes. um, with the, with the little, you know, the little ring light and the, and like the, the, the tripod and a person like doing my glam right behind me to follow me around all day um, in the field that That's I am, nice. I have to wear multiple hats. I have to get on my hands and knees and like sew crystals on or cut the length off of a dress and supervise the entire staff. And you know what? Sometimes I'm running the DHL and I have to be the customs broker to figure out what's going on and why this package got stuck in France, you know? So sad, sadly, I don't have the time for that. And yes, it's crazy that these are the things that people do want to see, but I can't. It's hard. I don't have the means right now to hire seven people to fire, follow me around to make these fantastic content videos. And it's sad that that's where the direction of the world is going in right now. I know. But are you the the people want to see you, I'm sure on Instagram, like what's working in terms of marketing, would you say? And in terms of marketing investment or just what you're trying? That's a challenging question because right now I'm looking out to many different marketing techniques. I mean, we have a fashion PR company that we're working with. We have um, a business PR, you know, of course, which is full scope. And then we have style PR and we have many different marketing techniques that we're trying. So we're doing a few more things here and there. We're trying to expand and trying to grasp more of the influencers and, you know, be a little bit more selective on which actors, actresses, singers or performers that we work with, because a lot of them no longer want to do a tag placement or a credit or a mention. You have to go through their management and negotiate a hundred and fifty thousand or two hundred fifty thousand dollar, you know, thing just for one post. Oh. And it's not fair because we too are also putting in our blood, sweat, and tears into these garments. And um, you know, there's a there's a huge percentage rate of us sometimes taking on what work and which projects we do. The ones that we get paid for, we never ever expect to have a post tag credit or mention. If we have a relationship with that person and they do it out of the kindness of their heart, we're more than thrilled. But nine times out of ten, these celebrities who do wear our clothing, they're not gonna tag, they're not gonna 
they're not going to post, they're not going to credit, they're not going to mention because it's something that they paid for. And we're okay with that. It's the ones who get something from us for free. And we've worked really, really hard in exchange for a tag credit post to mention that we kind of don't really want to work with anymore. We don't want to work with their management team anymore. So we're trying to figure out in marketing, do we then start working with these influencers who will do trade for posts? But it's, again, it's all about our all about our time and then as being more strategic on what we can actually take on. I kind of don't want to do any marketing right now. I'm happy with the way that things are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's wrong to say. I think I think I do need to get more into the marketing. <laughs> that's like if, if a celebrity took my dress and wore it and didn't tag, like, are you like, so help me goodness, I'm going to get the bang oh, for my du- my buck. I'm going to call oh, every yeah. People magazine and style person and say, this girl wore my dress. I would. Oh, my God. I've done it so many times, especially to like, you know, these these other girls like, you know, Kylie Jenner, Chantel Jeffries, um, you know, so many girls, and yes, I'm naming them now, and they'll probably come for me later in the comments once they read the Glossy podcast or listen to it. But it's sad because these women have such a huge outreach, and we get that they're with management teams. But what they don't understand is that we work so hard as designers, and we stop everything that we're doing, not just for the placement, but in hopes that you will at least say thank you in today's society to where Instagram posting credits, mentions, tags, hashtags are so valued and so looked upon and so sought after. It's so sad when they tag the major high-end designers like Balmain, Versace, Gucci, um, Prabhu Garang, all the designers who really do not need the placement or really do not need the advertisement or dimension. Um, and they get the clothes for free for them. It's sad that they tag them and they forget the people who slaved countless days and nights working around the clock to create this one look in hopes that you will tag or credit or mention them. And then they get really rude with you and bitchy with you and come for you and try to cancel you because you asked for a little bit of credit here and there. It's kind of sad. Let's take a quick break. It seems every brand I talk to these days uses and loves Shopify. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. (coughs) Shopify POS is the command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. Shopify's sleek, reliable POS hardware takes every major payment method and looks fabulous at the same time. Shopify POS can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash glossy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash glossy to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash glossy. You don't have a large conglomerate behind you. You are an independent brand. Tell me about this. Um, the if you ideally like you like your placement, are you looking for funding? Are you looking to no. I don't know what's going on here. I'm not. I'm not. I, I've been self-funded my whole entire um, life. I've never 
had loans or credits or factors or everything I do is all self-funded and I use it out of the own money that I make. Every dress sale that comes in goes literally right back into the business to payroll, to you know the rent here at the showrooms, to fabrics, to zippers, to shoulder pads, to vendors, to manufacturing. Every dollar that comes in, I wish I could say that I take home $500 a month, but I spoke with my accountant and during the last three years, I'm lucky if I maybe took home four or $500 a month out of everything that we make. And no, I'm not looking for any investors. I'm not looking for anybody in funding because I don't want to give up that opportunity to have my free creative range to be who I am or have somebody tell me what I can design or what I can design or take a percentage out of what I'm making and give it back to somebody else. I like to be able to fund and do the things that I can. The problem that I struggle with is with so many vendors that we work with, so many stylists that we work with, they never pay the next day or in two weeks. They always need something the same day, or they always give us two hours or 24-hour deadline for this performer to design this, but yet they're all on this net 90 net 120 day pay thing and it take it has to take up take them that long to get us in your system please well, i wasn't born yesterday it's called write the check or get some cash and just pay us out you know and i think where we're at right now is that we're at, at a place where i'm not really really being selective but a lot of people are calling me and saying, can you make this? Can you make that? And the answer is, yes, we can. What's the deadline? And if somebody's giving me 24 hours or 48 hours, I'm just at a point in my life to where I'm tired. I'm 40 years old. I have children. I have a grandchildren. I have a family. I don't want, I don't really want to, you know, stay at my office till four o'clock in the morning, hand gluing, you know, rhinestones or hand sewing appliques onto a performance piece that I'm not going to get paid until 90 days. And I'm not going to get a placement credit and I have to negotiate all of that. And it's just, it's not fun. And the sad thing about this business is sometimes you're not even in a predicament to where you can say no, because if you say no, then you're instantly labeled as difficult to work with or racist, or canceled, or, oh, they, this person didn't like me, or this person didn't want to work with me, and someone builds a false narrative against you that starts a trend with all the other people, just because you're at a point in your life to where you want to be able to decline some of the projects that are not worth your time, you know? Yeah. That's sad going on today. I mean, yeah, it sounds... Would you say social media? It's almost is it it's a frenemy. It's like it does it does of you course. does you bad, does you good. <laughs> yeah, social media is definitely a frenemy. I mean, you you never know what's gonna go well and what's gonna go good. Um sometimes I put the most amazing video out there that costs us thousand dollars in, you know, the marketing thing, photographer, hair, makeup, model, stylist. Um, you know, a BTS videographer, all these things cost money. Nothing is for free. No one wants to work for free. Plus you got to pay the agency fees and renegotiate the usage. Is it for web? Is it for e-com? Is it for social? So much has changed now with Instagram and the social media. And you put out this amazing content that costs you so much money for three comments and four likes. And then three of those, two of those comments are from the bots. 
It's almost like Jesus Christ. What do I got to do? I can't win and I can't lose. And then you put something on, you know, a mannequin that costs you no money, no photographer, no hair, no makeup, no nothing. And you get 600 comments and 400 likes. And then it's, it, it goes viral. So in a way, I feel like social media, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. You're in trouble if you say this. You're in trouble if you say that. But you just have to really, really stay true to what you believe in because people are going to hate no matter what. They're going to love it or they're going to hate it. And I learned over a decade's worth of time that it's up to you of how you can take it and if you can take everything with a grain of salt. You know? Yes. Would you say the same thing about like taking part in fashion week, like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Obviously it's a big investment. Another designer at one point told me like, if you don't take part, basically you're, do you exist? Like they're like, I want to matter. So I have to be there, but oh, it's killing me. But how would you describe it? Well, I skipped three seasons because I was self-funding all these shows by myself. And I was one of the very first Instagram um, noted fashion designers. Uh, one of the very first was doing, um, you know, DTC, direct-to-consumer sales through Instagram. Even Instagram in 2012 gave us a paper saying, hey, what you're doing is really cool. No one else is doing it. We still have that letter framed in our office. Cool. And so many people copied that formula and they expected to see major things happening at their runway shows. When we did our first runway show with Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week and IMG in 2014, you have to become you have you have to be approved and 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 a known name and a known brand in order to show with IMG and with Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. You have to either be selected or know someone. And the people that you had to know was Christina Nolt and Fern Malice. And, um, you know, the, the CFDA uh, group of designers like Diana, Diane von Furstenberg, they all had to approve if you were going to be able to show your collection. And I got approved. I found I was with Heidi Klum, Roquel Lazama, um, Scary Spice and Simon Cowell. And we were all at America's Got Talent. And my friend Roquel was doing the makeup. And I just got the letter that I got approved by IMG to show at the venue. And I started screaming. I said, oh, my God. But then my business partner called me. She goes, "Okay, look, you're approved. But here's the thing. It's $88,000 for venue one, $126,000 for venue two, and uh, almost $210,000 for the major gigantic venue with the lighting, the staging, the, the, and I said, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what do we do? What do we do? So I said, okay, I'm going to pay it. I'm going to do it. I made all my money through my Instagram sales. We were, the, we were making $10,000 a day in 2012. We were getting people contacting us from Dubai, um, you know, Saudi Arabia, um, Turkey, uh, Istanbul, you name it overseas. Every single princess was contacting us for gowns. Oh my God. And it started with Jessica Bersiaga and Lily Galici, who were my friends, and they would wear my dresses and they had all these followers. So when they would post them, millions of women would see this. And I went from 10,000 to 20,000 to 40,000 to 80,000 to 120,000 followers, you know, in, in weeks. But we were doing something in the very beginning of fashion that was really, really, really hitting the market and really opening the opportunity for everybody. So to go back to your question about Fashion Week, I took off a few seasons because I really didn't see the profit anymore. It was very expensive, 
very time consuming, very difficult working with all of the agencies, and very difficult to go back and forth from New York to Los Angeles, bring in the collections, bring in the staff, find in hotel rooms that want to sponsor or finding hotel rooms that were affordable for everyone and working to try and get everyone to come to your shows. That's the hardest part. You have to hire a PR company who works with fashion GPS. That's going to know all these people who want to come to fashion week and hope that your show doesn't cross with Brandon Maxwell or Tom Ford or, or, you know, um, other designers who are showing at different venues or different spaces, you get a time slot and you got to hope that their buyers are coming. You got to hope that Getty and wire images coming. You got to hope the famous fashion photographers are coming or else your show is irrelevant. And, and I've done it for so many years that I got tired of it. I took three seasons off and I said, you know what? Last season I said, I'll go back and I'll do a revolve and I'll see how it goes. And I thought it was really well. So this year I'm going to make my big self-funded comeback to yes. fashion week in September, I'm just going to show, you know, maybe around 30 very strategic season pe- seasonal pieces um, for a collection. And I'll invite our buyers, which would be Saks Fifth Avenue and a few other stores that are interested to come and see the show and see what we put out. And um, I, I already know I don't really want to go very big and very over the top with this, even though it is our return to fashion week. But I want to do something a little more intimate. And it's not about arriving everyone or opening the doors for everyone. We are an inclusive brand, so everyone can shop with us. But for the show experience, we want to make it something more intimate with the people who have been a follower since day one. And people who are just getting introduced to the brand and want to become brand friendly and want to wear the brand and want to know more about the brand. But this time we want to see where our money's going. So we want to be strategic about who we're bringing to the show to see this because we want to make it, you know, we we want to see the impact this time, this time before it was all for fun. Yes. Um, no pressure, Michael, but you're, you, you want to invite me. Okay. Anyway, yeah, come. <laughs> I never really thought of, of this. Like I, I think that we've quoted in stories from some source that, you know, a fashion New York fashion week show can be $100,000. I never thought outside of the venue, the PR, the, the many expenses involved, it's upward of, of that. Yeah, it is. You have a PR company that, um, you know, could be like, um, purple PR, which is one of the big ones that does fashion week. Then you have um, BPCM, who's another one who does Fashion Week. Then you have a lot of the brands under the IMG umbrella who produce the Fashion Week. They can run anywhere from seven to fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollars just to handle the PR. Then you have to have your back house um, production, which is also another seven to ten thousand dollars, maybe more because everything has gone up now. Then you have your dressers, which is always Barbara Berman, and Barbara Berman always does almost every show i don't know how she does it and her rates are over 10 or fifteen thousand dollars. then you have judith rice who's a show caller and her rate is 4500 to 5500 plus an assistant not only that you have your dj and you have your sound and your lighting guy and then you have the venue then you have to have insurance then you have to have um then you have your models then you pay whatever you pay your models for runway now i think it's around a thousand dollars for um, a seasoned girl or a non-seasoned girl or a fresh face plus 20% agency fee and you need 30 girls for, for the show. 
Um, then you have your nail techs, your hair people, your makeup people. Plus now a lot of the venues are making you pay for the um, the lighting and the sign, the hologram, the seating arrangement. Plus now you have to pay to be on the fashion calendar. It's a lot. I Shows mean. are very, very expensive. If you're a really major top player, you know, someone like Versace, Valentino, Gucci, you have a lot of people who want to pay for sponsorship and to be part of your show. So they're willing to donate the mega bucks and that saves you a lot. But, you know, they want to come in with all their ideas and sometimes it just don't collide well with the with the brand. Oh my God. And you could pay all this and somebody could have a conflicting show. Oh, and everybody goes, yeah. that's wild. Or this day it's and age, you, or you could just turn on your phone, get a TikTok. It goes viral. You beat everybody. Yeah. It's just like no, yeah. no telling. That's so crazy. Nine times out of 10, I just want to get one model and videotape the whole entire collection and just release it on Instagram, which a lot of designers have been doing for the last couple of years. And, you know, they almost get the exact same result because the stylists and the celebrities are flocking to social media to see what these brands are putting out because a lot of them don't want to go to the shows. And then a lot of them want to get paid to sit front row. I mean, we're talking about a celebrity coming to your fashion show, getting paid a hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars just to sit front row, and their stylist getting paid fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to sit next to them. You know, who are these people? Yes, that's fantastic. They're out there. <laughs> Tell me. Congratulations. I think Saks for you was a big deal when it happened. I saw like you were very excited. Did it happen last year, 2022? And tell me yeah, about... Yeah, it happened last year. Yes. It happened last year. You know, for the last couple of years, they've reached out to us. But because of the pandemic, we put everything on hold. And I have a really great friend. Her name is Tara. And she has a company that's called Legeance. We've been friends for such a very long time. And she made the huge, she's like my guardian angel, but we've been friends before she made this introduction for me to Saks Fifth Avenue. And she introduced me to the two main buyers uh, for Saks Fifth Avenue. Um, and she knew exactly what to say. And I wish I could, I wish I could say I was so experienced. I knew everything to say. I was so nervous that um, they just wanted to see a line sheet and a lookbook that I developed my own collection in 16 days. Um, I made 32 looks for them. Um, and we shot it, filmed it, videoed it, made a lookbook and a line sheet in 16 days and presented it to them and and said, look, this is what we made for you guys. When most people are sending them like digital sketches or samples of what they did, I wanted to wow them and impress them. And they told me we were, we were they told me that they were in, so blown away and so fascinated by the presentation that none of their other designer brands have ever presented them with anything like that. And they were thrilled and they put a huge order in for four stores and all of the e-com. And, and, and it was great. I was so excited because, you know, you work so hard in your career for these type of moments. And it's almost like you work so hard and you never feel relevant. You never feel like, uh, like you've completed something or like you're a major player in the industry until you're sold at a at a high-end, well-known department store. Like you can dress the biggest celebrities in the whole entire world and get the greatest placements in the magazines and the interviews and television shows or on social media. But that's all in that 
other type of world. When you walk into a department store and you see your garments on a rack and you're right next to an iconic brand like Halston, who I've been a fan of since I was a kid, it's like a huge smack in the face to you. And you're like, wow, this is my I made it moment. And it really was for me. And I wanted to share that with my mom. She knew a little bit about what was going on. But, you know, 14 years ago, I posted something on Instagram at a Saks Fifth Avenue store. Um, no, no, no. On Facebook at a, um, at a Saks Fifth Avenue store walking through and it said, one day I'll be next to here. One day I'll be in this department store. And I was passing by the Halston dresses. And, um, and I found that video. You know, when memories come up on Facebook, I found that video and I was just blown away. I said I couldn't believe it. I, I was shocked. So I flew my mom to New York and shared the experience with her. And I said, look, mom, I'm right next to Halston. How amazing is this? And, and you know, we, I am a minority. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a gypsy Romano boy whose family originate from Kazakhstan and Serbia, Romania, Budapest, Transylvania, and people don't understand what these kind of opportunities mean to someone like me who we have to still this day have arranged marriages we have to practice you know religious cultural things in our culture that our our family our groups our tribes the people in our community we're not evolving we're not growing because they're so stuck in the culture so for me to be the first of my generation from my culture to be an openly gay fashion designer selling at Saks Fifth Avenue, winning Emmys, dressing Beyonce, meeting Oprah, working with Mariah Carey, becoming the creative fashion director, working with Nicki Minaj, um, getting a star on Palm Canyon Drive, reaching all these major things has just been not only a huge inspiration to my culture, but it's given them hope that other younger people can do it too. So everything that's happened or that's come to me in my life has been a huge full circle moment. So it's not just making it into Saks Fifth Avenue. For me, it's letting the people of my culture, my generation know that I am living, walking, breathing proof that if I can do it, you also can do it. And it would never be to me considered competition. For me, I want people to stop thinking that they have to, in our culture, panhandle or do psychic fortune teller readings or buy and sell cars or do driveways. I'm not knocking the tricks of our trade or what was taught down to us from generation. But I'm saying we're in a world today where so much is accepted. People can literally be identified or say that they identify as a cactus. So why not be open to being who you are, celebrating who you are, moving along with the world right now and Everything is okay. We're in a place where everything is okay right now. We're a little touchy, yes. but things are okay. <laughs> you're so right. I swear, I, when you're talking about your presentation to Saks, your work ethic gives me life. It's amazing. And I love that you're so appreciative of what's happening to you. It just shows that hard work pays off and there's no ego here. You're you're fabulous, but you're you're real. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like to say that I'm real and relatable. I always felt like I'm real and relatable, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> it's
It's true. Gosh, what can we expect from you this year? Uh, the fashion show will be happening. What else is to come? And what, I mean, challenges? The economy ain't great. I'm hearing everybody's kind of bracing themselves. Are you bracing yourself? Well, you know what's crazy? Like the last couple of years, we our business, even after the pandemic, we saw a tremendous growth. I know I feel bad for a lot of companies who had to close and they didn't want the brick and mortar anymore, or a lot of people, you know, lost their jobs. And it's really heartbreaking, but I can definitely say there was a really long period where, yes, we were not doing evening wear. No one was having any weddings. No one needed anything custom. Um, so we moved into that loungewear um, place with Revolve, and we saw a tremendous growth for that to where the women was buying a lot of loungewear just because they wanted to be comfortable and still fashionable while they were working at home from their desks. So with that being said, we did close down two of our locations, but we got one really big location. But now I... I I've never been that guy who's had the opportunity to say, well, I'm going to take a Thursday and a Friday off. I have such a routine lifestyle. I have to be here Monday through Friday and sometimes Saturday. I don't have the luxury of taking a day off, but now I want to. Now I'm at a place in my life to where I'm waking up and I'm asking myself, what is hard work? And then what is routine work? And where do you, how do you get to a place to where all this hard work is making sense. Am I working smarter or am I working backwards? Am I growing or am I stuck? You know, you have to, in this business, I think in any business, you have to ask yourself, what is it, what is it doing for you? And that's where I'm at in my life right now. It's where I think I want to try and close a few things down because I feel like I can use the money from certain places that we rent into putting that into something else like a better better quality fabrics or giving the seamstresses that I work with a little bit of a raise or I haven't even thought about it yet what I would do if I closed down some of the spaces. But I'm not doing it because I feel like our business is failing. I'm doing it because I'm at a point in my life to where I don't want to have to come in here six days a week. I want to be able to do three to four days a week and be able to enjoy the time with my family, my grandson, my children, uh, my boyfriend, my dogs, my I want to go swimming in my own pool. And without coming off as selfish or ungrateful for the things that I have in my life, I want to, and I'm at a place in my life to where I've noticed that I want to enjoy these things. You deserve it. When you say closing <laughs> spaces, is it like showrooms? Is it workspaces? Yeah, yeah. I have this huge space. Look how gorgeous. It's about 6,000 square feet. And we got, in, although we got an incredible deal on the rent and the landlord is so fantastic here, I don't think we need all this space. You know, like it took me about maybe two years to realize where everything is, what we need, <laughs> what we need to have access to. And I think, um, you know, when the spaces were more affordable a couple of years ago, we had them when we could afford them and we had a place for everything and everything in its place. Now, you know, we're seeing this rise in the economy and everything is just, oh, the everything is just going so high. So the spaces are high, the fabrics are more expensive now. And and I, 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 I do... I do get scared, and that's kind of why I want to make a few changes. But I should tell you what's coming in the future. There's some really exciting things. Okay. So in the future, this year, 
we have, well, we did a soft launch um, last year just to test it out, but it tested out. So it went really, really well that we sold out, that we talked with um, the creative team and the buyer team and um, the head team at Revolve. And we decided to do Michael Costello shoes. Oh. And they are absolutely beautiful. We had our second prototype fitting just last week. And, um, you know, I wish I could say I make them myself. I don't know how to make it. I would love to make them, but I do draw them. I do sketch them. I do a 3D rendering. I also attend the fitting for them. I pick the fabrics and every little thing that's involved with it, except like the building part of it. Right. Um, if I knew how to do that, I would do it because I love that. <laughs> I love that side. But um, October, they're all coming out in October. And I'm I'm so thrilled and I'm so excited because I feel with this collection, there really is something for everyone. And I named them all after the women in my family. So we have the Sabrina and the Bonnie, which is my sisters, the Sonia, who's my mom, the Fatima, that's my aunt, Monica and Cynthia, who are my daughter-in-laws. And um, it's just really cool. This is a fun process and this is what I love doing. I love that the brand is seeing new heights with Revolve and we're going new places. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe we may go into Mommy and Me or a children's line and do it with Revolve too. Oh my gosh. Well, exciting times. Michael, this has been, I mean, I'm messaging with our producer. This is just a fantastic interview. Thank you for being so open oh, and for Jill, being here. Thank you. It was truly so fun. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture of a smile. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.